You're listening to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast. For more information, check out our website at www.shorelinecc.com. Did you hear Paul's last words in this section? I am perplexed by you. Have you ever been perplexed by anybody? (laughs) Or better yet, has anyone ever looked at you and been perplexed by you? You don't have to answer that. Unless it's healing to your soul. I am perplexed by you. When you look at this passage and you see what's going on, you look at the Apostle Paul, and he's perplexed because he's looking at the Galatian church and he had expectations. When we have expectations of things, sometimes we walk in and we become perplexed or confused or whatever kind of word you want to say for it. See, Paul is looking at the Galatians church, this series that we've been in. It's a church that he loved. It's a church that he planted. It's a church that he poured the gospel into. And now he's coming back to them and he's looking at them and he's saying, I'm perplexed. And he's perplexed because he expected growth. He expected that this Galatians church, this people group that he loves, that there would be growth going on because what what do healthy things do? They grow. I'm, I'm, I'm growing so I'm pretty healthy. Healthy things grow, right? When there's health in place, it grows. And especially as you look at children, and now the Apostle Paul, he's looking at this Galatian community that he helped father. He even calls them his spiritual children. And he's saying, you're not growing, so I'm scared because when kids are growing, there's health. And when they're not growing, what do we do as parents? We bring them to the doctor. We start checking them out, and we say, what's happening? My child is not growing. And so this is what Paul is doing today, because like any loving father, when a loving father sees a child in trouble, what do they do? They jump in, and they're on a rescue mission. And so today, as we look at this little short passage, we see this spiritual dad, the apostle Paul, and he is on a rescue mission to save his kids. How many of you have ever been there? You've been on a rescue mission to save your kids. When they're younger, when they run into the street, what do you do? You go on a rescue mission to save them, right? I had to do that a lot, guys, just so you know. And even as they grow older, we see them walking down paths that we know are destructive. And what do we do? Whether we're a mom or a dad or an auntie or an uncle or a cousin or just somebody who cares about them, we reach out to rescue them because we see them in trouble. And this is the heart of the Apostle Paul today. And to do this, he identifies two key things. Two key things, because the whole view of this book is to bring us freedom in Christ. Following God brings us freedom. And so today we're going to talk about just two keys to freedom. And the first one we're going to talk about is honesty. Paul begins by looking at them and saying, I want you to look at yourself with honesty. You need to take an honest look at where you are, because this sets you free. But then the second thing that Paul starts addressing them about is the thing that we've all been called to do. What have we all been called to do as followers of Christ? Go and make disciples. We're all disciple makers. So Paul begins this journey, this rescue mission, right here in the middle of the book by saying, I want you to look honestly at yourself, and I want you to engage in this process of discipleship because we grow through freedom. Are you ready to grow in that today? If you're ready to grow, just lift your hands open to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready to receive from you. Lord, whatever you have for me today, Lord, speak to me. Father, I want to honestly hear. I want to look at myself honestly. 
Reveal to me anything that you want to reveal. Speak to me anything that you want to speak because, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, this community, this body of Christ, we are listening. We are engaged. And, Lord, help us to further engage with what you've called us to do, which is to go and make disciples. And every follower of Christ said together, amen, amen. So let's look at that first part. Paul begins by showing that growing, it requires honesty. See, if we are to be free, the first thing that we have to do is to look at ourselves honestly. This is what God did way back in Genesis 3. Remember when God walked through the garden back in Genesis 3? And he called it to Adam. And what did he ask to Adam? He said, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? Yes, God knows everything. He knows where you are. He knows where you're supposed to be. And he even knows when you walk down paths you're not supposed to be. God is there at every point. But the first thing that God does in dealing with Adam and Eve, as they have disobeyed him, as they have chosen the path of sin, he looks at Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? See, this is the question that God asks Adam, and this is the question that God is asking us today. God is continually looking at us, and he's saying, Dwayne, where are you? Sarah, where are you? Bob, where are you? Whatever your name is, where are you? Because in order for us to go the right way, we need to first admit that we are lost. And this is an offensive word, isn't it? How many of you enjoy admitting that you're lost? How many of you are so lost right now you don't even know what's going on? <laughs> do brand new teenage drivers, do they ever admit that they're lost? Do new drivers admit they're lost? No. Are you, are you guys with me today? Are we here? More coffee. Let's start bringing the coffee vats in. Let's get going. <laughs> new drivers don't like admitting that they're lost. I was that way if I was driving down, and there were only two streets where I grew up, but if I was lost, I would never admit to mom and dad that I was lost, because this was, a, this was like admitting guilt in a way. We don't like to do it. But Paul identifies here two key truths for freedom, and they're offensive truths that we need to be able to, to wrestle with. Two key truths, and the first one is that we are all sinners. And this is an offensive truth today. Hello, my name is Dwayne, and I'm a sinner. Is that Okay. Hi. We are all sinners. We know this from Romans when it says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God, but this is tough for many to believe and accept. And I think a lot of times it's difficult to do that because we have a wrong understanding of what sin is. Sin is one of those ugly words in the church, isn't it? One of the things that people fear about going to church, the gathering today, is they're afraid that the pastor or somebody is going to talk about sin. So your fear is being realized. But it's something that we need to deal with. But I think we have a wrong perception. A lot of times we equate sin with guilt, don't we? Right? Sin is all about guilt. It's all about somebody trying to control you. All about somebody trying to put something on you. And guilt is something that we're all trying to avoid. How many of you enjoy feeling guilty? Maybe you've never had that feeling before. But guilt is something that we're all trying to avoid. Sometimes when we say that sin is wrong and it has consequences, we tend to have this feeling that, well, is sin really fun? But then we try sin and we have fun and we see no consequences and we become confused and justified in our sin. Have you heard that before? 
Well, you say that I'm sinning, but I'm having fun in this, and I don't see any consequences. So what's going on? You say it's wrong, it's going to destroy me, but I don't see any destruction. I'm just having a good time. But see, the Bible even says that sin has its pleasure for a season. The Bible never says that sin isn't fun. Hebrews 11 says this. It has its pleasure for a season. That's why so many echo that old country song. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. See, sometimes we're confused about sin and following God because we see people who are not following God. They're doing good things. They're doing good things like kindness. They're doing great humanitarian efforts. Or we see people that are not following God doing great things like making a great latte. Have you ever seen that? But see, we shouldn't be confused by this. When we see people who are not following God, doing great things, doing what we would even call good things, we shouldn't be confused by that. Because everyone is made in the image of God. And we know this to be true, don't we? Everybody is an image maker, is made in the image of God. Everyone is the theological term, the imago Dei. We've all been made in the image of God. You are all masterpieces of God. You've all been made in His image, whether or not you are serving Him. And see, Jesus, he addressed this in Matthew 5 when he said, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. See, we're all made in the image of God. God has poured his, himself into us. God has given us gifts whether or not we serve him or not. See, it's while you were still in sin, while I was still in sin, while I was still in rejection of God, what did Jesus do? He died for me. Jesus' death for me was not contingent upon me accepting him or not. And I think that's the trap that we fall into sometimes. We look at people who are doing these good things and they're not Christians. How can that be? Well, they were made in the image of God. They just haven't surrendered it. So we talk about sin and it becomes confusing. But we need to be, have a clear understanding of sin, that sin does have its consequences. But they are not always immediate. See, sin is often like a silent killer in our life. We play with it, we enjoy it, and we nurture it. But all the while, sin is seeking to control us and to master us. That's why James says that sin, when it is fully grown, it brings death. There's a growth curve to sin. Sin often starts very, very, very small. Some of the biggest challenges that I have had in my life and sin that I've had to bring to God and say, God, why am I still struggling with it? I can point back to something that happened in my childhood. Have you ever been there? You're like, why am I still dealing with this? Well, that little seed began to grow back when I was a child. There were things that were brought into my life, things that were introduced. But sometimes we grow up and we don't see the consequences. And so we think it's okay. But all the while that sin is growing in our life and has taken root, has taken a hold in our life, that if we don't deal with it, and that if we don't lean into this truth, then it will destroy us. So what is sin? Sin is the rejection of our maker. Simply put. Sin is the rejection of our maker that God made us, and God the designer who knows us, he knows how we were made to function. That's why in Romans 3, it says, it defines it as to miss the mark or to fail in duty. 
See, creations that are misused, they end up breaking or ceasing to function. Have you ever taken something and used what it was not intended for? You try to take a glass and use it as a hammer, you're going to have problems. It may seem foolish, but we do that all the time, don't we? See, creations that are misused, they end up breaking and they cease to function. And sometimes the effects of our rejection, they can show up immediately like a hand on a hot stove, while others are not as apparent for us and can take quite a long time. And they build up patterns that will come out later in our life, later in our relationships. Jesus even said that some will ignore this right up to the time of their death. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. To me, that's one of the scariest portions of Scripture. Can you imagine living your life saying it's okay? I'm doing some things for God, but I'm not fully surrendered to him, but I can do some things, and then when I get before Jesus, I can say, God, look at what I did for you. Look at what I did in your name. But Jesus is saying, I never knew you. You never surrendered to me. See, Jesus is not something that we just do on the side. It's not a God on the side. Jesus is something that takes over us, that fills us, that we surrender our life to him. And that when we struggle and when we fall, what what do we do? We call to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me. Pick me up out of this. I need your help, Jesus. And he walks with us, and he's faithful to forgive us as we ask. But this is that whole area of sin. And this is why it's so difficult, but it begins by us admitting that we are all sinners. Hello, my name is Dwayne, and I'm a sinner. Do you love me anyway? Jesus loves me as I follow him. And I want you to hear this today, whether this is brand new or whether you are a fully devoted follower of Christ, because as we make disciples, this is key. And we need to know how to talk about this. We need to know how to deal with this because that's a big truth. But the second truth that Paul points out, this truth number two, is that without God, we are enslaved. We are enslaved. This is another offensive truth. Maybe today you brought your best friend and said, man, you're going to love what Pastor Dwayne says today. (laughs) Stay with me because these are keys to freedom. We need to recognize that we are all sinners, but we also need to recognize that without God, we are all enslaved. And Paul points to the source of their sin because before Christ, Paul says here that we were enslaved to those who are not God. Did you see that when it was being read earlier? He says before Christ, we were enslaved to those who are not God. See, the Galatian church in that area, most of the Galatians before God, they were worshiping pagans, God, false gods, before they came to Christ. And what Paul is telling us here is that we are all serving someone. We're all following down some path. And I think this is one of the myths of freedom. We have this myth of freedom that sometimes we think, I follow no one. Have you heard that before? Hey, I don't follow anybody. You can follow who you want, but for me, I don't follow anybody. And we live under this illusion that following ourselves is somehow true freedom. But do you know what following yourself is like? Following yourself is like a dog chasing his tail. It's true. Following yourself is the equivalent of a dog chasing its own tail. It doesn't know where he's going, 
but he's having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. What dog does not have fun chasing its own tail? But at the end of it, the dog had a lot of fun, and he's exhausted, but he's gone nowhere. This is what it means when we just follow ourselves. Because see, the truth is we all follow someone or we follow something. And often what you follow is affected by the environment that you lived in. And we, we all know this. I know today I'm saying a lot of things that you know already, but we know this. That what we follow is often affected by our environment. How you were loved or how you were rejected. Whether you grew up in great wealth or whether you grew up in great poverty. Whether you grew up in a community where you were the majority or the minority. Whether you experienced racism, racism growing up or whether you experienced privilege. All of these things speak into us. Even when we reject that, we're adopting a worldview that was affected by how we grew up. It's all a part of us. They all affect our worldview. I even heard, heard this guy say one time, this guy said, I heard a guy say once that I follow no one. And I looked at that guy and said, that's what I'm going to do. And I said, so you're going to follow that guy. And following no one, you're going to follow that guy who says he's following no one. Do you see the irony in that? We are all following some kind of worldview. But when you look honestly at yourself, you will realize this. What am I following? Who is leading my life? And as it relates to this message today, we need to realize that only God can bring the freedom to our lives. And God loves us so much that the Apostle Paul is telling us here that God initiates freedom. Do you realize that? Sometimes we think that we're the ones that have reached out. We're the ones who've done so much. But Paul is saying, listen, God has initiated himself with you. God has presented himself to you. He says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, he, he corrects it for him. See, what Paul is outlining, he's outlining God's sovereign grace. See, Paul is insisting that people do not seek God. This is from Romans 3 where he says, no one searches for God, but rather God is seeking us. See, sometimes we are so caught up in our sin that we miss God. Have you ever been there? You've been so caught up in your sin that you miss it. But God doesn't miss us. God never misses us. Even in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your exhaustion, when you're just so distracted. I want you to hear that God is seeking you. God is speaking out to you. Whether you're following him or not, God has initiated his sovereign grace to be poured into your life and say, I see you and I'm seeking you. Will you hear my voice? Will you hear the loving father that is reaching out to you? I think that's why Paul is so perplexed by all this. He's looking at them and he's saying, why would you reject freedom? I showed you the pathway to freedom. I poured the gospel into you. This is the life of freedom. Why are you rejecting it? And Paul even says it a little stronger. Paul says here, he says, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Wow. Everybody say to that? Why do you want to return to the weak and the worthless principles of this world that want to enslave you? Why would you do that? Why would anyone, given the option to be free, reject freedom? You know, we see this in our society. And a lot of times, the first responders, 
they get to see this up close. See, police have experienced this when they've tried to rescue victims of sex trafficking and domestic abuse and violence. There are stories quite frequently where the police and first responders, they'll go in to rescue out men and women, boys and girls, from the hands of the oppressors, from the hands of those who abuse them. And there are times that they'll find that they do not want to leave. And it's perplexing. But there's a term that's been placed on this. It's called the Stockholm Effect. See, the Stockholm Syndrome is a psychological response wherein a captive begins to identify closely with his or her captors as well as their agenda and their demands. In other words, the victims, they start to begin and to develop this sympathy for their captors, and they fail to see themselves as victims and slaves. Have you ever experienced that? Where maybe you've gone in to see a friend, you've seen the abuse that they're in, and you try to pull them out, and they begin to sympathize with their captors. We see this in Seattle. Sex trafficking is a huge problem here in Seattle. And when the first responders are able to get in there, they often find men and women that are like, no, I'm good. They identify the abuse they're in, but they've been so brainwashed. They've become so accustomed to the abuse that's going on in their lives that they don't want to leave. And it's as horrific as that sounds, we can do the same thing sometimes in our own life. We have this sin that binds us, this sin that overwhelms us, this sin that is rampant even through our family. And God comes in to rescue us, but we're like, no, God, I'm good. This is okay. It's okay for us to have this. It's okay for us to just coddle this. I think I can fix this on my own. Have you ever been there? That's why God is saying that you want to grow? You need to get honest. You want to grow? You need to get real. And this is a tough message today. This is a message of putting the mirror up in front of yourself and in front of your family. But why is God doing this? Because he loves us. And this doesn't matter if you've been serving God 75 years or you are yet to give your life to Christ. Everything begins with the honest look of the maker. He puts a mirror in front of us, not to bind us, not to guilt us, not to manipulate us, but because he loves us. And he says, look, let's deal with this. I want to set you free. I want you to feel the freedom and to know the freedom that I've given you. But you have to be honest. You've got to deal with it. That's why if your arm is hurting and you go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't take your x-rays and Photoshop them and then say, hey, your arm's fine. You're okay. Don't worry about it. That's silly, isn't it? But that's what we do. We want to ask God how we're doing, but we want God to say, man, you're awesome. I love you. You're there. You know what? You are exactly behaving the way I intended a human being to intend. That's not what it's about. It's that honest saying, God, that the prayer of David revealed to me even the sins that are unknown to my heart. Not to guilt me, not to manipulate me, not to control me, but to set me free. Amen? It's honesty. Walk in that way lovingly. So our biggest need today is to take an honest look at ourselves and an honest look at who God is. But then Paul goes on to his second point in this. Because he's saying, not only do you grow through honesty, that's where you start. you got to get real. you got to get honest. How many of you are ready to get real today? You ready to get real? Nobody. All right. That's, that's me. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dwayne, and I'm a sinner. But then Paul says, 
We grow through discipleship. What are we about? Discipleship. We are about discipleship. And Paul says a huge statement in here. He says, become as I am. How many of you have ever walked into this room of people and said, everybody, become as I am? How does that sound? Sounds pretty arrogant, doesn't it? If I were to walk in a room and say, become as I am, I think the doors, I think the ushers would actually open the doors and try to help you guys leave and say, yeah, we're not sure what's happening today. But Paul makes this big claim. He says, become as I am. And it's a huge statement. And he issues it this way in Corinthians 11 when he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, how did Paul have the confidence to say this? Do we all have the confidence to say that? I don't think so. It's a pretty confident statement. But Paul, is a, you have to understand, he has this confidence because Paul experienced Christ. See, Paul experienced Christ. And until we experience the freedom that we have in Christ, we will never have the confidence to lead anyone to Christ. Until you have experienced the power of Christ in you, you will never have the confidence to lead others in Christ. And the call that Paul is trying to bring to us today is he's saying that we need to be so filled with the love of Christ that we can, bro- we can boldly proclaim that there's the way to go. I'm going that way. Follow me. Do, are we willing to act in that way? Are we willing to respond genuinely in that way? So full of the love of Christ, following him, knowing there's where Jesus is going. I'm not perfect. I fall down along the way, but you know what? That's the way to go. I'm going that way. Follow me, and together we'll get there. It's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? It's a pretty bold statement. But it all comes down to what we love. See, what we love the most controls us. And our boldness and our confidence, it comes from being filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. That's why every week I say that. We need to be followers of Christ, that we're filled with His Spirit, we're controlled by His Spirit, we're empowered by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active in us to transform us, but to give us boldness to say, that's the way to go. I'm going that way. Follow me. I'm not going to go to the left. I'm not going to go to the right, but I'm going to follow Christ. He's the only way to go. Will you follow me? I have friends who are not serving God that the way that they're going, they're confident about it, and they invite me along their pathway. Have you ever been invited by somebody going the wrong way saying, follow me, this is fun, or follow me, this is good, or follow me, you'll get rich. Wealth and fame and prosperity is that way. Follow me. They have no problem telling you that. But when it comes to our walk with Christ, we know it's the right way. We know God made us. So why can't we be filled with his spirit, empowered by his spirit, and say, that's the way to go. That's the way to eternal life with God. Follow me. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. See, sometimes we fear things like hypocrisy. We're so afraid of being a hypocrite that we go, you know what? I'm going that way, but along the way I stumble and I fall. So I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous to invite somebody to do that with me. Have you been there? Who wants to be a hypocrite here? Nobody. I think a lot of times with the body of Christ, it's one of our biggest fears. But you need to understand that word hypocrite, it means it's an actor. It's a pretender. It's someone who's playing a role, someone that they've learned all the lines. They know when to go on and off the stage, but it's not really them. But when we're alive in Christ, there's no acting. 
because he takes over. Are you going to fall and stumble? Yes. And let me say this. When you say you're a Christian and you fall and stumble, no one's surprised because people aren't expecting perfection unless you, you have said, I'm perfect. And I've never heard anybody in this room say, I'm perfect, Pastor Duane. This is a room filled with a lot of humble followers of Christ. But we need to get that word hypocrite out of our mind. Unless you really are an actor, unless you really are just memorizing the lines, and unless you're somebody that you know when to go on the stage and when to go off the stage. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we should be standing out in boldness and say, I'm going that way. Are you struggling? I'm going that way. I'm going to celebrate recovery over in that room on Wednesday nights. It's filled with followers of Christ who are walking along each other to help each other. Are you a young person? I'm following Christ. We have an amazing youth group that I, I can bring you to, and we can learn how to follow Christ together and to be stronger. Whatever it is, we walk along each other and say, this is the way to go as we follow Christ. Don't let that word cause fear to come into you that will stifle you, but let the power of Christ rise up within you and say, I'm following Christ, follow me. Let that love of Christ transform you and rise up. See, it is no act when I say that I love my family. I'm not acting when I say I love my wife. I'm not acting when I say that I love my kids. It's no act that I love them. These are tears of joy, not of pain. It is no act when I say I love all of you. I say that wherever I go, I love all of you. It is no act when I say I love the city of Charlotte. It is no act when I say I love the city of Seattle because I'm burdened for it. I want to reach it. But all of that is empowered by my love for God. I can only love Stephanie the way she needs to be loved if I'm full of the power of God. I can only love my kids if I'm filled with the power of God. I can only love all of you in my city if I am filled with the power of God. So why not stand up and say, follow me as I follow Christ. I can be bold in that. And if I fall, I have all of you to help me. And to walk alongside me and say, Pastor Wade, it's okay. We're going to keep going. We're going to get up. Is that resonating with you today? This is the word of God that he's trying to empower us with because Jesus said, go and make disciples. And here Paul is saying, go and make disciples. He's saying, because, he said, become as I am. Follow me as I follow Christ. This is what discipleship is. And we will never engage in discipleship until we're willing to do that and say, you know what? Follow me as I follow Christ. Don't be unburdened by the, the voice of the enemy to condemn you. If you hear something in your, in, your, in your head as you're looking to disciple somebody and that voice to you says, you know what, you're not perfect. You made a mistake or no one's going to follow you. Is that the voice of God? No, it's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the enemy trying to suppress you, trying to get you to stop from discipling because the enemy is scared. But you need to rise up and say, I'm a child of God. His spirit's inside of me and I'm going to walk forward. Some of the greatest discipleship makers in the history of the world, God wrote down and put it in the Bible, and he put in all of their imperfections, I think, to encourage us. People that he called. People that he empowered. And he didn't just put the good Facebook stuff in there. Did he? You read through the Gospels, you read through the Bible. It's no Facebook it's the real and the raw and all this stuff because he's saying, you know what? We, you can do it empowered by me. You can do it empowered by me. 
Because see, this is what discipleship is. And I love Jeff Vanderstelt's definition of this. But what is discipleship? He says, it is the ongoing process of submitting all of your life to Jesus and seeing him saturate your entire life, your entire life and world with his presence and his power. It's a process of daily growing in your awareness of your need for him. It's the everyday stuff of life. It is walking with Jesus, being filled with Jesus, and being led by Jesus in everyday place and in every way. This is the walk. This is the walk. And I just want to say, just do it. I'm going to steal from Nike. Just do it. Get up and just do it. Follow Christ. And Paul here, he even shares this personal testimony. And he's saying that, you know what? We even make disciples through pain. See, sometimes when we're going through pain, we think that it's the absence of God, but pain is not the absence of God. My experience is that when I'm going through dark and difficult times, God's presence leans in a little bit stronger. He's close. He's waiting. He's right there. And Paul even says here, he says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you first. Paul's saying it's because of pain that I even brought the gospel to you. See, sickness made him stay, and it provided an opportunity for him to share the gospel. See, the gospel, it speaks through our sickness. It speaks through our sickness, through the pain that we go through. Even things that we cannot, cannot understand. And I know there's a lot of people in this room today that are experiencing pain. And we want to pray for that at the end of the service today. I think one of the biggest illustrations to me was um, my, my grandfather that I share a name with. His name was Abraham. And towards the end of his life, he became afflicted with this horrible disease, Alzheimer's. I think Alzheimer's has touched many of our lives today. And they had this big family reunion. I wasn't able to be there, but they took a video of it. And so here's my grandfather. It's this outdoor picnic, and all the family is there. Most of the family not serving God for a variety of reasons. For a variety of reasons. And so Pop is there, And in his Alzheimer's, sometimes Alzheimer's can cause you to go more aggressive and take a mean persona. My grandfather took on this even more joyful and this more peaceful persona. There were were times of fear. But on this day, they just looked, someone looked, looked and said, Pop, would you pray today? Now keep in mind, most of the people around, it's all close family, cousins, uncles, sons daughters that he no longer knows their name he's just there smiling having a good time and they know this they say pop will will you pray so we have this on video that pop he went from smiling he closes his eyes and he begins to pray and immediately when he said our father he began to call out everyone's name for this person god they're not serving you right now They're confused by who you are. Will you bring them back to God? May they come to know you. For this person began calling out situations. 
in detail. In detail. Undeniable. And as the video goes, pans around, they all began to weep. And they opened their eyes because they know something special is taking place. And then he says, amen. And he goes right back to how he was. And it brought to their attention things that Pop said growing up, that this body is failing, this mind is failing, but the spirit lasts forever. My spirit was made by God, and my spirit, though my body is failing, my spirit is alive. You want to talk about how God used something that was great pain? Nobody prays for that. But to me, it was a powerful example of how God uses our pain. Even through our sickness, God speaks to us. God knows us. God's alive in us. And that's my word to you today, I believe, from the Apostle Paul. If he could speak in here, he would say, grow in God. Be alive in God. Come alive in Christ. Don't let your life to be rooted in anything but the power of Jesus Christ. Fully surrender to him. A full life requires full surrender. Don't be afraid about, well, what's that gonna, that's going to mean? Am I going to have to give up this and give up that? You're talking about things that can enslave you. Say, God, I want you, all of you. And as we wrap this up today, I believe the first question that God would speak to you right now is, where are you? It's the question he asked Adam. Adam, where are you? I'd like to invite everyone just to bow their head and close their eyes in this moment. This is a sacred moment that I believe the Holy Spirit is leading us into today. Don't miss it. But right now, as the Spirit of the Lord asks you, where are you? God knows where you are. But today is inviting you to realize where you are. And maybe today you've walked into this place as someone that's not fully surrendered to God. And as the Lord has impressed these words upon your heart, maybe he's speaking to you right now and saying, I'm calling you to surrender your life to me, to fully trust me, to let go of all the other things that want to control you. They want to lead you and follow me. And so he's inviting you, and I echo those words, that if you're here today and you're saying, I need to fully surrender my life to Christ, would you just lift your hands and say, I'm surrendering my life to Christ. Just lift them up high. Surrender is a real thing. We give our life away to you, God. As we continue to walk through this, maybe you're dealing with some pain and some obstacles. A sickness. A struggle at work. A struggle in your personal life. You're saying, God, I'm surrendered to you. <laughs> I don't know where to go. I need a word from you today. I need healing from you today. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'm going through something, pain, sickness. I need to hear from God today. 
Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together today. As we respond to this word today, I want to encourage you to do something that is very difficult for the culture that we're in. We struggle to go and pray with people. We struggle to be honest and to be vulnerable. But I want to invite our prayer team to go around the side. These are people that have been praying for this moment right now. They want to see you set free. And as the worship team just begins to play and sing, if you lifted your hand to surrender your life to Christ or to walk in that and say, I need to, I need to get over it. I know the way to go. I want to run after it with my whole heart and invite people around me to say, I know where to go. I'm heading that way. Follow me. I want to invite you just to step out and to go to these people around the side and just pray for them and say, will you pray for me? If it's a prayer of surrender, of surrendering your life to God, or a prayer for boldness, I want to be bold in my family. I want to be bold in, in my workplace. Or maybe it's a prayer of healing and restoration. You're saying, I've surrendered my life to Christ, but I'm going through something. That I need help. I need my brothers and sisters, my family to gather around me today and just to pray. I want to invite you to step out. Don't wait. This is family. This is family business. We need to be vulnerable with each other. We need to be honest with each other because if we can't be honest in this place, this safe place, how are we going to be honest out there? How are we going to walk out there? This is a place where everyone's cheering for you. Everyone's loving you. Don't leave this place today without engaging. Turn to your neighbor and say, can you pray for me? Can you help me today? I need help. Hello, my name is Dwayne, and I'm a sinner. I need help. And along the way, we have communion. Embrace the broken body of Christ and his blood that was spilled and take it as, as a prayer of healing, remembering what he's done. Go to the prayer walls, right on the prayer walls. Take some action today. Amen. Father, I pray that you put a spirit of boldness in this place to reach out to each other, to go and to be prayed for, to reach out and to pray for others. Maybe today someone's standing next to somebody that they've been prompted right now, I need to turn to, the, to my neighbor and ask them if I can pray for them, if I can help them, if I can walk with them. Help us to be the body of Christ that is alive and active, walking in you, I pray. And everyone said together, amen. Let's Let's take some time to respond. Let's walk in freedom today. Step out. Step out in the name of Jesus.